Hey everybody, thanks for joining us for the R&R Show. My name is Ruel Gaviola, joined by my co-host Chris George. Um, Chris, how's it going, my friend? It's fantastic to be here. I'm so thrilled. I'm so thrilled to be here with you, Ruel. You yes. brighten my day every time I see you. And I'm very excited about our list today. Yes, I think it's, it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a great, great one. And folks, the third R of the R&R show is going to be the R&R &R show is going to be joining us in just a minute. Uh, Richard is going to join us via the magic of video. So stick around. Got a fantastic list today. These are going to be our top 15 games that BGG got wrong. Chris, you want to mm -hmm. kick things off, my friend? Yeah, these are the top 15 games that should be in the BGG top 10. That's how I've been looking at it. Yeah, same here. This is <laughs> all that, 15 all are going right in the top 10. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm excited. I'm excited about this list because I think I think BGG is a tough one. This is the reason why I'm happy that Gloomhaven is no longer in the number one spot yeah. because I know so many, at least this is how I approached this, how I, how I was trying to make my my selection. Um, it was that so many people, uh, so many people that I know who aren't like huge board gamers, but who I've introduced into the hobby have been like, okay, oh yeah, I like this board game thing. I'm going to go to this board game geek and I'm going to get the number one game. And if you do that after progressing from like, oh yeah, here's, here's code names. And now here's Gloomhaven. <laughs> it's just such a, it's such a wild departure. Right. And I, yeah. and I think. Um, I also think that in Board Game Geek, we we kind of know this as board gamers who are interested in the hobby, that the the ratings, they tend to skew on the more complex side, right? People yep. who like complexity really like complexity and then rate it as such. And so for me, I was really trying to capture um, games that can that, that go over a, a wide scope of things. So mm -hmm. like Catan, it's not it's not on my list, but it was an uh, honorable mention. Honestly, I contemplated putting it on the list because of its sort of impact in the hobby, right? Yeah. Uh, I think, um, yeah, it, 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 it had such a huge impact on me personally. Yep. And so that's like the honorable mention almost. Oh, yeah. I snuck yeah. in an extra one. Nice. I love it. That's that's how we roll yeah. here on the uh, the R&R and &R, R show, folks. You know, Chris, I'm glad you brought, uh, you know, your criteria yeah. because I approached it yeah. pretty much the same way. Um, you know, we all know as, you know, hardcore gamers that BGG does skew towards the heavier end of things. And mm -hmm. while I appreciate that, and I got to say, I, I do love that number one now is Brass Birmingham. That, that's one yeah. of my favorite games. But, you know, I approach it like, you know, there's games that I feel like should be in the top 10 that are a little more accessible for like folks that you were talking about that, hey, we're into board games now. Let's go get the mm -hmm. number one game. And rather than like, oh, I've got Gloomhaven now and I've got something new for the next five years of my life. Let's get something that can get to the table quickly, a little more quickly. Yeah. And I, I feel like deserves a spot in the in that top 10. So, yeah. Glad so you brought that I'm going to break... I'm yes. going to break all of that criteria with my number five. <laughs> and, no, it's all, already uh, going, going off the, the rails here. I love it. I, well, well, because, well, it, it, it might have been Catan, but then I, I also wanted to just talk about a game that I, I really enjoy. So that's why it's in my number five. Okay. You know, this is in my own personal top ten, which I'm going to, you know, have come out on my channel very soon. Yes. In the next couple of weeks, I'm doing my top 20 uh, to celebrate hitting 10K. But, um. I, I wanted to include this on here because I like it so much and because I also feel it can sort of embody a, a certain crowd. So my number 15 starting us off is going to be Rising Sun. Ooh. And, and, and so this is also, it's it's ranked number 11 on Board Game Geek. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, 111. Um, 
but I, th this also made its on what onto the list because of the topic of what BGG got wrong, and it it at least deserves a spot in the top 100. I think it's it's so yeah. offensive to me that it isn't in that top 100, and so because of that, I'm shooting it up to the top 10. Nice. Um, <laughs> So, uh, it, it yeah, talk about Rising yeah. Sun. Like I've I've played this a couple of times. Um, I think people would say this seems pretty heavy. We were just talking it about is, how we're going a little wider heavy. now, but go ahead. It Chris. is it is pretty heavy. It is pretty heavy. <laughs> I know. And there's another one on my list that like it is pretty heavy as well. Yeah. But there's at least some other ones that aren't. Uh, the the reason why I think Rising Sun deserves to be a little bit higher and also could be a contender for this sort of top ten area is because it represents that uh, evolution of the area control genre, right? It, yeah. it represents something that the risk crowd could even sink their teeth into and enjoy. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I was thinking about when I added it to the list. Uh, the fact that it, it's, this, it's this awesome area control game that gets people talking. It's, it's, yeah. it's, you have this whole negotiation aspect of creating formal alliances with people. It has the follow mechanic as well, which is a, such a lovely mechanic. We were talking a little in the yes. pre-show about it. Earth having that follow mechanic as well, right? And it get, keeps people involved. There's so much focus on communication and what I refer to as like above the table interaction mm -hmm. that uh, I, I personally seek out in a lot of my games. And uh, yeah, I, I, it, Eric Lang is just such a, a, a fantastic designer at what he does. And th this is no difference. This to me is sort of his pinnacle. Uh, I love this game so much. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I wanted to put it, put it in here because it, it, if it scratches, it almost scratches that, it, it almost represents sort of my evolution as Catan, as a Catan gamer as sort of like a Catan nice. gateway gamer because of yeah. that conversation that happens around the table, because of working together with people. You're yeah. trading things in Catan, but here you're saying, okay, uh, shall I give you some coins? Shall we work together to fight this battle, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's all, all these things that happen. And then area control is such a sort of dominant space in gaming right and so rather than throwing somebody into like a huge war game i mean this is still pretty complicated but it, yeah. but in essence it's fairly simple you there have only five actions you pick one you do it everybody does the thing right yeah. for strength it's everybody compares their strength you count it up it's it's there's a lot of things there's a lot of moving parts but it's it's not too complex at its core so that's that's why rising sun is uh our number 15 uh, but I wanted to put it, you know, lower, right? Because I didn't want to let my own personal, uh, like, bias make it scoot up a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but totally but I, so it's so it exists here as sort of my shout out. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's Fantastic why that's why I can break the rules. Oh, no, totally, totally. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I love the choice. I'm a big Eric Lang fan as, as well, uh, Chris. And you know, for I, I loved how you compared it was your evolution from Catan to you know Rising Sun. I, I can totally mm -hmm. see that line, right? You start with Catan, very interactive game. There is negotiation, yeah. you know, uh, very you know, and that's where you start, and you end up with Rising Sun, which is a, a, a much heavier game, but at its core, it's still about that interaction with the other players. So fantastic choice by a fantastic, fantastic designer. Um, yeah. Cool. Why don't we go on to our number 14? This is uh, my contribution to the list. Yeah. And we're talking about great designers. You know, folks, um, you knew I was going to have this on here. Samurai from my favorite designer, Reiner Knizia. 
Um, this is a masterpiece of a game. Uh, this is also uh, got a little area control to it. It's more abstract, but the, the theme is, you know, you are in uh, old school feudal Japan and trying to take over the different uh, areas on the map here. This is from my run through with my wife, Michelle, um, on my Twitch channel. We live stream this. It's a, it scales from a two to four player game. I think it really does it well, too, uh, where you just basically expand the map for more players and you get more uh, pieces. But what you're doing, you're fighting over control over three different things. You have religion, military, and I think it's farming. And you're mm. just, it's tile placement. You're just, you have behind your screen, you've randomly chosen five tiles from your little, you know, supply. Every player has the same tiles, but they come out at different points of the game, depending on what you um, draw. And you're going to take those tiles and place them down on the map. And as you surround the pieces, you look at it and whoever has more control, the higher number, total number, will win that piece. And you put that behind your screen so you don't really know who's got what, but you sort of have an idea. And as the game progresses, you go until one of the um, three uh, pieces is uh, all gone. And then you reveal your screen like whoever has the most of the two of the three items wins the game. It is so streamlined, and yet the strategy behind it is so brilliant, Chris. I just taught you the game in two minutes, and yet this yeah. game has so much replayability, just like all the classics from Reiner Knizia. I'm always hyped about his games because he gives you like two or three pages of rule book, or rules, and you're ready to play, and the strategy and the depth comes through the gameplay. I don't have to sit there for 45 minutes reading a rule book. I don't have to go to BGG. I don't have to watch YouTube videos. I can get the game from the rule book and then get it to the table. And boy, oh boy, this is my all-time favorite. As you can see in the video, even the, the bear puppet enjoys the game uh, Samurai. So <laughs> that's the silliness that we get on our channel, folks. Um, come in and uh, tune in sometime. But Samurai, absolute brilliant game. I love it to pieces. And uh, that's why it's our number 14 on the list of uh, games that BGG got wrong. This needs to be in the top 10 for me, um, for sure. So have yeah. you played this one, Chris? I have, yeah. My friend of mine has Samurai, uh, mm -hmm. so I played it at his house. I remember really enjoying it. I think Reiner Knizia is just such a fantastic designer. Uh, I just finished, I did an interview with him just recently, actually yesterday. Uh, no! Yeah, uh, for <laughs> it's going to be over on World Series of Board Gaming's YouTube channel, I believe. Um, oh, man. And it, it was awesome talking to him and like just talking to him i was like man this this guy is so brilliant he's got like he's got he's got 50 drawers and he's got a game in each drawer and he's like okay and then in pandemic i got 50 more drawers so he's got like 100 <laughs> games on the go that he's constantly working on he's oh made over gosh. like 700 games it's just fan it was so fantastic Amazing. talking to him i'm excited to edit it and put it out but uh, yeah he did oh. he his games definitely deserve to be on the list because yeah such a prolific one of maybe one of the most prolific designers in our space agreed if you yeah. you know what i mean like he's yep. just had such a huge impact yep. and so many cool games yeah agreed so great agreed. choice yeah i had to put at least one of his games on here and i, I went mm -hmm. with my personal favorite samurai but you know case can be made for you know tigers euphrates uh raw yeah. and uh, yeah. uh modern art so many uh we're not going to go there we're just going to stick with the one uh number 14 samurai let's see what richard's got uh for us for number 13 friends here we go let's all right richard take it away hey everybody hey ruel hey chris how are you doing i can't wait to see this episode because it's actually pretty late right now my wife and i just got home a little while ago and i realized i gotta get these videos filmed because when you're live streaming tomorrow uh jen and i are going to be knee deep in trying to rebuild our lives after having uh taken almost two months off for an epic rv road tour of the uh 
southwest of the United States. We had a great time, and I think this is a great topic. I cannot wait to see what you two have come up with. But uh, number 14, number 15, I'm sure those were lovely, but even better, even more deserving is number 13 on the list, A Feast for Odin. And I have to admit, when I first heard this is the topic we're going to do and made sense to me is a really good one, I have strong feelings about everything on this list, but um, my first thought, literally the first game that popped in my head was, well, of course, Agricola. It used to be number one on Board Game Geek. It'd been in the top 10 forever, and now I think it's below 50, which is crazy. But the more I thought about it, while Agricola, you know, that ode to... Um, medieval-era subsistence farming is my personal favorite of all of Uwe's designs, I do think Feast for Odin is probably the best. And it is the epitome of what the man has done. Um, you know, bringing in uh, Euro-style goods harvesting and conversion into points via all kinds of interesting and wonderful worker placement mechanisms. The worker placement in this game is fantastic. You have a big bunch of Vikings and do you send out big groups of them to the big actions or you try to um, uh, you know, uh, you know, save them and do a lot more variety with the smaller actions, but what really makes this game hum, what really makes it special is the polyomino tile laying, uh, which is absolutely fantastic too. Now, for me... Honestly, Feast for Odin needs the Norwegian expansion to really sing and take care of my problems I had with some of the randomness with card draws and stuff like that. But even without Norwegians, this game deserves, deserves, I demand it make its way into the BGG Top 10. Um, I think it's somewhere in the 20s right now, which isn't bad, but it's, it's a crime. This game is absolutely amazing. Number 13 on the list of Feast for Odin. Okay. Wow. Nice. Oh, good choice. Yeah. Good. I, I have a great choice. I don't know why this still says uh, Samurai on there, but yeah, number 13, Peace for Odin. I'm going to yeah. tell you this, Chris. I, I have a confession. I'm mean, This is confession time here on the R&R and &R &R show. I might have the same confession for you, Ruel. I have not played Peace for Odin. Me neither. Oh my God. I, <laughs> <laughs> I know one of my closest friends has it too, and, and I just haven't gotten it to the table. Yeah. I, um, I have friends in my game group rave about this game. Yeah, mm -hmm. I've, gotten, I've gotten close to, uh, to playing it twice. I've been at game night a couple of years ago. It was there. I just missed out on the opportunity to play it. But uh, just watching videos and other uh, people play it, either on Twitch or YouTube, I mean, I know this is my jam. I love Uwe Rosenberg games, and this is yeah. the big beast, and this one should, uh, from all I've seen, it should be up uh, high up on the list. Um, so I have no qualms with this uh, being on one of the games that BGG got wrong. Yeah, yeah. With with Richard saying his first gut was Agricola, that that was on my short list as well. Yeah, uh, Agricola, I almost put on, and then I was like, you know what? Maybe it would be harder to argue. Maybe it's had its time in the sun so much, mm -hmm. you know. So like maybe it could it could drop below. But uh, yeah, I've heard great things about Feast for Odin. Great yeah. choice. Okay, cool. So we've got homework, Chris. We need to play Feast for Odin. We got homework. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to our number twelve. Back to you, Chris. Uh all right, well, my number 12 comes from uh, one of the most prolific designers out there, uh, somebody who I think deserves to be reflected into the top 10. And, uh, of course, that is Reiner Knizia. <laughs> and, uh, and we are going to talk about it. We're I talking it. about Raw. Nice. <laughs> I had to keep a straight face when you were saying that earlier. You're like, well, you know, also Tigers and Euphrates, Modern Art, Raw. I was like, hmm. Oh, that does sound like it would be a good choice. 
Oh, because, that's so um, perfect. That's, oh, my god, That's my pick that's upcoming. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me, let's talk about why this should be on the list as well, Chris. I, yeah, I totally agree so, with you, by the way. <laughs> um, I... I it, it's definitely impacted by that interview that I just did with, with Reiner Knizia. I was mm-hmm. like, he has to be represented here. He just has to be the way he yeah. thinks about games is so cool. Uh, my, my respect for him is just shot through the roof. I always knew I liked him because I like mathematics uh, and I, and he comes from sort of a mathematic background, but he was also yeah. talking about just, no, I come from like a theme background. And what I, what I absolutely loved about our conversation was him saying that he, he designs games because he wants them to be accessible. He wants that like two page rule book, you know, he yep. wants it. He doesn't going in the mathematics background. He doesn't want to have to write a huge paper. That's only for people who are in the know, right. That's only so complicated that, that only the, the most analytical of people can pick it up. Yep. You know, he wants to get a game that people can get to the table and focusing on that fun factor. And I, and I love that dichotomy between the two. And so even though my personal favorite of his designs is Tigris and Euphrates, I opted for raw because I played this the other day and with, with a couple friends, one who's like not a huge board gamer, one who I play a lot of stuff with. And the one who, who wasn't a huge board gamer just fell in love with it absolutely Mm. fell in love with it he had so much fun and like we all had we all had a great time it 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 was it was an awesome time it was an awesome game there's something so beautiful about the tension of this auction mechanic where you're you're trying to get tiles that are in the center and you're bidding your own sundials and you want to hold on to your sundials so you can bid them at a later date but then the timer right might run out and auctions might be triggered too much. And you have to make a choice of, do I push this in now or don't I? And then my friend caught on to that. I was trying to wait for a big windfall. And so he just started declaring an auction every time. And I was like, stop doing that. He's like, I'm not doing it. Don't you want? I'm like, just let the pool build up. He's like, I'm not going to let the pool build up. I'm going to get like three, three tiles. That's fine. I'll take the three tiles. And then we're almost near the end of like, the the raw whenever a raw tile is drawn the little you know the the tracker moves on and if too many raw tiles are drawn it, the the epoch ends and it's just done and so like i wanted to to extend it and push my luck and he's like no raw and i was like oh, i don't want to it's like i need that i want more and so i was like you've caught on to the strategy and i am very annoyed by this uh, <laughs> but the fact that like it provides such an 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 incredible depth of play so accessible um it's it's just it's just a fantastic design that i hadn't played that i'd never played because it was out of print and now it's finally come back in print uh, mm-hmm. i i got a copy through through working through the world series of board gaming to 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 run some events with it and it's just like so good yeah. that it, it's it's shot up there and, and and so I picked this as as the Ryan as my own Reiner Knizia reflection nice. into the top ten, yeah. um, because of how accessible it is, and because of that experience that I had with my friend of getting this to the table. Uh, I've, I feel like I've just been talking about, about raw in a bunch of different avenues for a long time mm-hmm. because it's for me it's like it's it's the new hotness. Yeah, and and I'm just yeah I, I think it's so cool and. And then that's why I picked it over Tigers and Euphrates. Tigers and Euphrates is re- I love I love it more than Raw because I feel it's more tactical. 
But I, again, I have the tactical aspect with Rising Sun, and so I didn't want to have like two tactical games on with through my selections. Right. Uh, I wanted to kind of capture the broader the broader sphere, and so that's that's why I I also opted for Raw as well. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, obviously I was just talking about you know. Um, uh, samurai. <laughs> this easily could have made uh, made my list, and actually, it did yeah. make my list. You know, we we come up with more than five games each, folks. We yeah. you know put together a big long list, and this was just outside of it uh, for all the reasons you mentioned. It's yeah. a game that it's it's intuitive, right? Like like your friend after you know the yeah. first time playing it, he figured it out as the game was going along. And I love games yeah. like that. And then yeah. you know you can you really feel like hey, everyone knows how to play this game. It's not like. The experienced player is just crushing everyone. No, you can really, you can pick it up. And that's what, uh, Kinesia's games do that a lot. There's a lot of games like that where it's mm-hmm. through the gameplay, through it, strategies emerge and you, like you realize, oh, I should probably do this, but wait, I can also do this. And there's that tension, you know, like, do I push my luck here or do I just collect things and, you know, call the auction now? Yeah. Oh, I, I love this game so much. And yeah. Oh man, I, I need to play this more, and I, you know, I'm looking forward to the new edition that you'd mentioned uh, through 25th Century Games. With it's the, gorgeous, know, yeah, it is beautiful. Oh, yeah, but yeah, and great, the reta- like great. they had a deluxe and they had a retail. The retail is a great price too. You know, oh really? Oh, like, okay, I, I totally forgot about yeah. that. Um, it's like sub. It's like forty bucks or something like that. that like, that's a bargain for and this it's, game. The, the yeah. whole it's so like the cardboard is so chunky and nice yeah. the wood is so nice in it it's an incredible production agreed yeah. agreed all right great call let's move on to our number 11 uh let's this time i'm up to bat and hey i'm up to bat because my number our number 11 is baseball highlights 2045 one of my all-time favorite deck building games chris i i mean i'm a baseball fan i'm a deck building fan you give me the best of both worlds i'm going to show my solo video here that i did on my channel cool oh, man this is such a great great game this is Mike Fitzgerald, he's done a lot of games. He's done the Mystery Rummy series. He's done this. A bunch of other games. He's a well-known designer. But to me, this is his, you know, his greatest game of all time. Uh, what you're doing is you're managing a baseball team. Uh, you're playing form, uh, you're playing mini games of baseball. And what that means is each game, you're gonna draw six cards out of your deck, and that's gonna represent an entire baseball game. And the way they captured it, it's brilliant. It really does feel like a baseball game, but it also has that deck building. So you have players, and as you play a card, your opponent can play a card against you. So there's a lot of back and forth, like, hey, I'm going to threaten hitting a single here. Then my opponent plays, nope, you're out automatically. It's like, oh, darn, there goes that. But then I play another card, like, hey, I'm going to threaten a single and a home run. Then my opponent maybe can take away one hit, but can't take away the other. Then there's base stealing, there's a pitch, there's so much... They did such a fantastic job of capturing the spirit of baseball. And the best thing, Chris, about this is that, oh, uh, let me, I don't know why this video, my my video, I do all kinds of wacky things like drink water on screen. Um, The best thing about this game, Chris, is that even if you're not a fan of baseball, you can still enjoy this game. My, one of my best gaming buddies, Daryl, is not a baseball fan. He, he loves this game just as much as I do. It's a really, it's a one-on-one uh, a game of battle wits, and um, there's a lot of metagaming as well that, that can happen. I, I love that you can tailor your team uh, a specific way. So this is the future of baseball. You have humans like us, robots, uh, which are pure robots, and then cyborgs, which are humans with like a mechanical arm or leg or whatever. They all have different strengths and weaknesses on the baseball field, and you can tailor your team uh, by that uh, towards whatever you want. Uh, after each minigame, you have a draft where you're going to uh, get cards into your deck 
by purchasing them, and then you uh, you trash cards, and they, that's called sending them down to the miners, so they go off your team. Oh man, <laughs> I people know how much I love this game. It is brilliant. It's if I had to pick one deck builder, it, this may be it, folks. Um, it, it is wow. so so good. I absolutely love it. That's why it's our number eleven baseball highlights twenty forty five. Wow, good shout out. I mean, I I've never played it. Honestly, I don't even know if I've heard of it until Oh, right okay, now. yeah. It's sort of um I mean, I think it, it's it sort of had its heyday a couple of years ago and it's sort of flown off mm-hmm. people's radars, but Chris, I would highly recommend. I would totally play this. Are you a baseball fan first of all? Um uh I'm not a, I'm not a I'm not an anti fan. Okay. But I wouldn't say like I'm a huge I've I've been to a few games. I okay. I enjoy watching some games. Yeah. Yeah, but, I think you know you would enjoy this you know, mainly cuz the the just the strategy of like yeah. what cards do you want to bring in now versus what cards do you want to play later. Um a lot of strategy to it and cool. it, it's again a really really if you know deck building you know how to play this game, but it's yeah, got yeah. enough different things going on and actually the gameplay itself. Oh, it's so sharp, so smart. Cool. I could honestly, I could talk about this forever on this show. I could also talk about the Dodgers. Go Dodgers! Uh, but we're not going to do that. We're going to move on to Richard, uh, who's got our number ten game. All right, all right, all right. Uh, still can't wait to see what you two are coming up with. I'm sure I will have thoughts. But let's move on to number ten on the list, Twa. Which honestly, I can't believe hasn't even made it into the Board Game Geek Top 100. Oh, you know, it should be in the top 10. Well, this is a great travesty. Um, and why? Well, first of all, let me say thanks to Man vs. Meeple and Jeremy Salinas. I just decided to bust out my video of Twa. is so old and so janky, I just couldn't even look at it. And uh, I was thinking about, oh, remember when Jeremy was at cutting edge, the highest quality videos out there, the Dragon Strike uh, component reviews. I figured this would be a nice way to show it without all of my old shaky cam with an iPhone 4. Anyway, though. Enough about that. Why does this game deserve to be in the top 10? What makes it special? Well, it was so far ahead of the curve um, in interaction and interplay between players in a Euro-style system. At its heart, this is about the French city of Troyes, which needs to be rebuilt after all kinds of hardships, but the hardships keep hitting us throughout the game. And that's one of the glues that holds us all together. Our one, our main source of points could be from helping uh, stop the spread of plague or you know push back invaders or whatnot. And every round, there's going to be one player who steps up to the plate and it's their responsibility to solve the problem. And if they don't, then everybody else jumps on board and the interaction there is fun. But really, the core of the interaction comes from the dice. Everybody has their own meeples that they've spread to the three different districts of the city. And that determines at the beginning of a round what kind of dice you are going to have available to you. You grab your dice, you roll them up, and you think, oh, I'll get to use these dice. No. Those dice don't belong to you. Those are the citizens of this town. Yes, they can work for you. They like you. They'll even work for free for you. But they'll work for anybody. And the drafting of this game comes from the fact that on your turn, you might see uh, my little group of three reds, and you think, oh, those are perfect. You pay me um, because I got this work group together, but then you pay me so that they will work for you instead, and suddenly you're using my dice. A lot of people think that the game is um, you know, kind of cutthroat in that regard, but it's never really felt that way to me. I don't think of these as my dice. I think of these as just the people that live in the city. And yeah, I could. they'll work for me without me having to spend money, but they'll work for anybody. And I look around 
all the dice on the board as Malami. Some are free, some uh, cost money to use. And the core gameplay is so much variety because every time you play, you're going to have... Was it nine different buildings uh, that will get slowly revealed over the course of the game that give you access to all kinds of really cool, interesting powers, depending on how you personally are going to deploy your workers and deploy your dice to try to help Twa get back on its feet. Uh, this game's design is so brilliant from Pearl Games, um, which you know is sadly no longer with us. Hopefully, Dujardin, Orban, and Georges will get back together. Uh, but yeah, uh, this game is such a huge milestone. It brings so many cool, interesting design features, and to date, it really has not been eclipsed by any game. And there have been plenty of other games that have tried to do um, its unique unique blend of, of workers and dice drafting. I absolutely love it, but more than that, I think it deserves a place in the top 10 of Board Game Geek. Twa. Yeah, I I figured this was going to be on the list. I, I think it's yeah. a brilliant game, and I know how much Richard uh, enjoyed this game. So uh, no surprise here. Twa, uh, fantastic, uh, fantastic dice placement, uh, dice worker placement game. Um, Chris, any experience with this one? No, I've only seen the cover, and for me, I'm like, I know I will like this game from the cover. And that's <laughs> that's a weird thing to say because it's not an enticing cover whatsoever. Not at all. But I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, I know what type of game this is gonna be, and I know that I'm gonna love it when yeah. I get it to when I eventually play. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it does have that old school, like you know, this is a Euro game, you know. It's this just, is a Euro. That's yeah, what it's telling Euro. me. And I'm yeah. like, yes, I like Euros. Please give me more. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I, I, I think it's brilliant. Um, I know it has a solo mode. I have not and I love solo games, so I need to just, mm. I mean I need to bring my copy out of uh storage here and play, but I've always loved it, uh, multiplayer. I, I think it's just so, so good. I know you're going to like it. I mean, just based on yeah. the cover, of course, but yeah, the gameplay, super, super sharp. Um, but yeah, let's move on. Uh, let's continue. Uh, Chris, you've got the next one on the list. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, our number nine, collective number nine, this one also breaks all my rules. But this is the last time I'm breaking all my rules, I swear. <laughs> and I'm only breaking these rules because I think this design is just so cool. It's so exciting to me. It's by a publisher that does these sort of chonky, <coughs> complex games really well. And I think uh, this deserves to be in the top 10 because it it has it has so much crunch to it in a way that I feel should be satisfying to anybody looking for that meaty, crunchy game, right? It, it's, uh, it takes place in, in time at many different places in time. Um, and sometimes that time is fractured. This is anachrony as our number nine. Nice. I, I absolutely, I, I'm blown away by this game every time I play it. I think it's so slick. I love the worker placement aspect to it. I love that you have to get these additional things to go out onto the main board. I love that you have variable worker powers that you can put out, you know, your, 
your mechanics do something a little bit better than your recruiting firm does. And your geniuses can do anything and they get the bonus in anywhere. Uh, and the fact you're building up your own little sideboard of, of worker spots that are only for you and chaining your engine together with variable player powers with the loan mechanic. This is one of the only two games that I feel employs the loan mechanic in a way that I find interesting. The other game being in the top 10, number one, Brass Birmingham. Um, and so I just think this design is absolutely elegant. And I love having a game where even as somebody who, you know, I like complex games. I like crunchy euros. I feel like I haven't even scratched the surface of understanding. I mean, like of truly understanding deep decision-making spaces in this game, because it's, it's just, everything just works so well together. Uh, I, I, I've only played base game as well. I, I have a larger edition with some different modules and I haven't found the need to play them, play with them yet because the base game has just been so satisfying to me. So yeah, Anachrony, I, I debated because I'm like, okay, well, this is very complex. This is by <laughs> Mind Clash and they do complex games. So I am breaking my sort of rules, but I, I feel this kind of hits in that same realm of, I think I think Terraforming Mars deserves to be in the top 10, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think that is like a wonderful representation of board gaming in terms of like what board gaming can accomplish. Simil mm -hmm. Honestly, similar to Arc Nova, but... I would say Terraforming Mars more in terms of what, what it's like kind of established. Mm -hmm. and, and I feel Anachrony also has that potential in it. And yeah. so that's it, that's the reason why I decided to break all my rules because I just think it the design is just so, so exciting. It, it's, it's, it's elegant in a way that is this constant swirl. I feel like I'm swirling when I'm thinking about the inner yes. workings of it. And, nice. and, and, and that just makes me excited. So yeah, that's why, right. That's why oh. it's in there. I I need to experience the swirling because as much as I love sci-fi <laughs> games and this game this totally falls in my wheelhouse. I have not played this, Chris, and it's killing me because oh, we'll everyone knows that this would be my jam. I just feel like it would be. Yeah. Oh, I, so yeah, it's on the list for a reason, and um, yeah. I can't wait to give it a shot. This looks fantastic. Um, swirling. I'm all about the swirling games, so we're going <laughs> to All give about that, that swirl. It is all about that swirl. Uh, let's move on to our number eight. Great choice, Chris. Um, this one is my contribution to the list. Uh, our number eight, you just talked about Terraforming Mars, and mm -hmm. um, I always had Terraforming Mars in my top personal top ten until recently. Um, this changed my mind completely on Terraforming Mars. It's Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition. This one needs cool. to be in the top ten because... It is the better version of Terraforming Mars, and I say that be, um, with a lot of love for the original Terraforming Mars. Uh, one of my, I, I play that game a ton, but Ares Expedition does everything that Terraforming Mars does, but better and quicker, and it adds a race for the galaxy element to it. Uh, as far as you know, action selection. Right. I, I mean, I, I love it so much. Uh, let me get um, Richard. I believe, yeah, he has a run through here. Let's show uh, show so the people some action shots here of uh, the game being played. Um, board is smaller. Qui uh, the it's still I, if you don't have the deluxe edition, it still has a problem with the cubes getting knocked over. But you know you can use a little <laughs> um, you know uh, it's the silly putty stuff, the the stuff that Richard recommends, where you know you can uh, stick the cubes on there, which is fine. But oh my gosh, I love what they did with this game. It's again, it's quicker. It still has everything you want. Love about Terraform Mars. It does take away some of the tile lane uh, aspect to it. But overall, it's 
pretty much the same game, but you're gonna, instead of playing two, three hours, you're gonna play in 45 minutes to an hour, uh, no matter what player count. Uh, there's another one that I have that I've been dying to try it solo. Again, big solo game uh, fan here. And this one has a solo mode that's really easy to set up. But, you know, even just uh, for me, okay, I love the gameplay of Terraformers, but the, the artwork of the original Terraformers, I'm not the biggest fan. And they actually updated it here, and it's great. <laughs> I, I really enjoy the choices they made here. It's, it doesn't have those random, like, stock photos, you know. Um, but... Overall, I mean, the game, if you know Terraform Mars, you know, it's an engine-building game, uh, card-driven. You still have the big old stack of cards here, like the original. But again, everything's been streamlined down to a more, I think, a more accessible package. And that's why it's our number eight, Terraform Mars Ares Expedition. Uh, Chris, nice. I believe you're, uh, you've are you played this game, haven't you? Or? No, I haven't. Oh. I, I, I'm getting it soon, I think. Okay. I, I feel like I'm... I, I feel like it's it might be on its way to me right now, I feel. Okay. And, and I'm excited because I, I, I didn't feel that the impulse to purchase it or yeah. to play it because I enjoy Race for the Galaxy and I enjoy Terraforming Mars. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I don't need Race for a Galaxy with a board. I can I can just play Terraforming Mars. But yeah. all the people who have talked about it has made me really interested. Have you played any of the expansions? Because I feel like those are just fulfilling around now. Yeah, those um, I have not been able to play the expansions. You know, no one yeah. uh, that I know has gotten them in. I didn't order them, but um, they're all on, cool. on the list. I mean, more stuff. I'm, you don't I'm need to. Yeah, you don't need to. They make it into top ten without them. And I think exactly. I think that's important to know, right? Yeah. Like, Terraform oh, totally. Mars. Everyone says you need Prelude. This one, you don't need any expansions. You don't need a Prelude. Hey, yeah. So kick Terraforming Forming Mars out of there. Yep. <laughs> Ares nice. Expedition is in. Ares Expedition, folks. There it is, our number eight. Let's see what Richard's got in store for number seven. Okay, okay, okay. The game's getting better and better, I think, anyway. So let's talk about number seven, Glory to Rome. Honestly, I felt kind of bad even putting this one on the list because chances are, if you don't have a copy right now, you're never going to be able to get a copy unless you want to pay exorbitant prices because the uh, rights holder for this game has pretty much sworn that he will never let anybody reprint this game, even though pretty much every publisher in the industry would line up around the block for a chance to make a lavish deluxe reprint version of this and and make, I don't even know how many bajillions of dollars if they were to crowdfund it today. But nope. For some reason, the uh, whoever owns the rights, I forget. I've read about the story in the past. Is I know no one will ever see this game again, and it's such a shame because it's so good. There are a bunch of really amazing card games that I could talk about that deserve being in the top ten. Like you know, Race for the Galaxy, Elysium, um, maybe even Earth. Uh, you know, a more recent one. But uh, still. All of these games owe so much to Glory to Rome. Uh, it's certainly not the first game to introduce the idea of multi-use cards, but it so pushed it. Uh, you know, I mean, there's so much in this game that becomes the cornerstone and foundation for so many games that have come since then. Uh, in this game, we're trying to help rebuild uh, Rome after, you know, I don't know, an earthquake or whatever it was. And um, we got a handful of cards, and these cards can be played as resources to rebuild. They can be played as actions we need to do, as has been so often repeated ever since uh, this game came out. Uh, this one has the idea of, hey, if I play a card to trigger you know, the architect action, everybody gets to do the architect action. But in this game, only if they've got their own architect ready to go. Uh, so, uh, so you really have to... Sp- 
be paying attention to what other players are doing. Is there an architect coming quick soon? Am I prepared for that? Uh, what do I have in my hand? Etc. Etc. Um, there are so many interesting things about this game. Probably my personal favorite is the fact that as cards get consumed and used up, they go into a pit in the center of the table. So as I'm using cards and getting rid of them, I might be giving you exactly what you want if you go digging through that pile and uh, pulling out what's ideal. But probably the most important thing about this game, you know, Terraforming Mars and Arc Nova are getting all the heaps and praise these days, um, you know, and making it into the Board Game Geek Top Ten because the more than anything else, they've got this gigantic stack of cards that are full of all kinds of interesting, unique, game-changing effects, and you're going to get unique play every time you play because of such a huge stack of cards. That's glory to Rome in a nutshell, and nobody does it better. The unique powers that are on these cards in glory to Rome make every session of this play out so differently. Uh, there's so much variety, so many smart mechanisms that again, to date, have never really been improved on. Uh, I love this game so much that even though it has a little bit of take that, um, because you can kind of go fish and uh, you know go uh, grab cards from other players, uh, I still love it. I'm so happy I've got my copy. Um, you know, I'll hold on to it till the day I die, and I absolutely love it. And my apologies to everybody else who, you know, maybe you'll get to play at a convention, maybe you've got a friend of a friend who has it. Seek it out if you can, because it's so wonderful to play. Number seven, Glory to Rome. Yeah, this is on my bucket list of games to play because it's out of print. It will never come back yeah. to print because of all the drama and everything else. But I know, it, it, I, I just know it'd be great um, just watching all the gameplays and people talking about it. And I have friends that will swear by it. So uh, yeah. one of these days I'll play it. What about you, Chris? Uh, I know someone who has it. Oh, uh, so I can play yes. it with them. I didn't know about all the drama and the reprint. I'm just like, yeah, that'll blow over. It'll come back. I'm calling <laughs> it right now. I'm going to call it right now. It's going to come back. This video is going to be the reason nice. why the glory to Rome. He's going to turn his, turn his mind, change his tune. It's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully one of these days. We'll see. But um, yeah, there's ways to, you know, it's on the secondary market for only a couple of hundred bucks, folks, US. So yeah, it's out there. You know, very reasonable for a, <laughs> a small box card game yeah. that you should absolutely go out and spend $500 to get. Yeah. All right. Uh, Chris, why don't we talk about a game that we can get? Hopefully, uh, you have one that's yep. uh, a little more easy to uh, track down the market. Uh, what do you got for number six? Well, number six is probably one of the most easy to track down, most easy on my list. Uh, it's very accessible. This is my go-to parents game. This is what I would recommend anyone get for their parents. And I think this game has blown up the industry. And And it is so surprising to me that I don't even know what, what it's on, uh, what number it is. So I'll tell you what it is, and then we can find out together okay. what it is on BoardGameGeek. Uh, it's Azul. Oh, wow. Azul? Yeah. Azul, I think deserves absolutely deserves a spot in the board game geek top 10 in terms of the the accessibility factor what's it at 70 70 overall 70 now that's not that's not that bad i was worried it wasn't yeah. in the top 100 now it is um, for abstract games it's number two so that's that's a little better and family games number <laughs> eight like i i yeah. agree yeah let, let's let's that's continue little, talking that's a little better yeah but yeah the, the the fact like this goes back to my criteria this this actually hits my criteria now in terms of Azul is this. If this list were ambassadors for the board gaming hobby, Azul is up there as well. Azul, yes. there, there's something that is so accessible and satisfying for 
a huge variety of board gamers, whether you're new to the hobby, whether you're super intense and you want to screw each other over, doesn't matter. Azul's got you covered. And and the fact that it, a, a game like this can have such breadth and depth to it uh, is so exciting to me. That's that's why that's why I I I was like yeah this has to be yeah. number my number two our number six um it was it was a no brainer for me I, yeah Azul's great I played it the I other agree. day with a, a three people who again aren't big board gamers it was at like a little Easter brunch that my neighbor was having yeah. and I I brought that specifically and everyone was like oh that was so cool like nice. they felt satisfied they felt accomplished. They felt uh, great by the decisions that they'd made. Mm-hmm. They they could remember the moments where they're like, oh, I should have done this. It was, yeah, it was just a, a slam dunk across the board. And I think yeah. it, when you're looking at the top 10 games, I, I think it legitimately deserves to be to be up there because of, because of the profound impact that it can have. Yeah. I, you know, it's one of the games that's, that I have that I've introduced and played with players that it's probably one of the most, if not the most game that I hear later on, Hey, I bought that game after we played. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it happens all the time. And I, I love that. It, it really is one of those games. Like you were saying, it's an ambassador, right? Uh, it gets mm-hmm. people into it. Um, it's so, it's so pretty to look at and so unassuming. Yeah. It's, it's like, Oh, you just got little tiles here. You just place them in a little row, trying to get them. But then, like you're saying, as you as you play, you can hose other people. You can say, "Oh no, I'm yeah. picking this one. I'm leaving you those." Uh, so, oh, it's just it's it's a brilliant design. It, it's a masterpiece, uh, modern ma- masterpiece, and I totally agree. It should be in the top ten. Great call, yeah. great yeah. call, Chris. Uh, let's move on to number five. Now, this one I think you'll appreciate, Chris, because we've talked about this designer before. It's not Reiner Kenitsi. We, we're done with the Reiner Kenitsi <laughs> part of the show. Tigers but... and Euphrates. <laughs> modern art. No. It's our number five. Uh, it's my contribution to the list. Eric Lang is one of my favorite designers as well. And I had to put Blood Rage on here. Uh, this game, to me, I, I love Rising Sun. I've not played Ankh yet. But to me, this is... Oh, that's um, Azul. Here's uh, Blood Rage from yeah. our friends at Shelfside. To me, this is Eric Lang's masterpiece. Um, there, This game, it's an epic Viking game. You can get no more epic than you know sending your opponents to Valhalla. But the thing that I love about this game, Chris, it is even more accessible than Rising Sun, right? Uh, yeah, this yeah game, oh, absolutely. A, you know, I I do this progression with new players. I always start with like Sushi Go, card drafting. Next level, Seven Wonders of Seven Wonders uh, card drafting. The next, next level is Blood Rage, because this is a card drafting yeah. game. You're doing the card drafting, you're taking a card, you're passing them on your opponents. But here, now, it's all about troops on a map. You're using those cards to go onto the map, different um, sections of the map, trying to uh, take over them. You are gonna you have missions to complete. I mean, it is an epic game that plays... I've never played a game longer than 90 minutes, and I love that about it. Even with new players, I love that this yeah. game feels so epic... And it's so easy to teach, and it's so brilliant, and there's different strategies that you can use, and it just looks cool. You have all those awesome minis, you know, and I wish I was more of a mini painter, because I would paint my copy, but I just play my buddies' copies that they've gone all out painted their copies, so I use theirs. It's great. Um, And it's so, just everything about this game I love. Um, You know, Shelfside, you're seeing the different cards that you can play. You can, you, Mm -hmm. you basically start with the same factions, but then you upgrade them and they become asymmetrical right and i I think that's such a cool way to do it and one tip that i always tell players that are that may look at a little oh this is a little too much i say look at the different um characters loki or thor or odin 
get those cards together because they're going to automatically synergize, you know, and I think that's a really cool way that they did that to, you know, help players get into the game and, you know, I mean, you don't have to, but I think it's a nice way to like, hey, here's a strategy that I can use as a first timer. But, oh my gosh, I've played this game so many times, all different player counts, all different types of players, and it's always a hit. I love it so much. It's my personal favorite Eric Lang design. That's why it's our number five in our list, Blood Rage. Yeah, I mean, it's a good pick. If if I didn't want to do, like, the personal Rising Sun shout-out, I think Blood Rage is more accessible, right? Like, yeah. yeah, as much as I love, I personally enjoy Rising Sun, I, I contemplated, I flirted with replacing it with Blood Rage. I'm glad I didn't, yeah. but... Uh, uh, be- because of all the factors that you said it's yeah. it's it's just really really solid really fun it, it really is it's it's a it's a masterpiece in my opinion and let's move on to richard and see what he's got for our number four game richard take it away my friend okay the games keep getting better and more deserving i think again i gotta see what you guys come up with but i don't think anybody can argue against number four on the list the Castles of Burgundy, um, which currently sits in the teens, somewhere in the teens. So that's not too bad, Board Game Geek, but come on, we can do better. And I bet you when folks start getting their hands on the new special edition, so the game looks as good as it's always played, maybe it's going to push its way back to where it deserves in the top 10, as it as it was for years, I think. But anyway, what is it? It's designer Stefan Feld's masterpiece. Again, another incredibly influential design. Um, at its heart, I want to say it's dice drafting, but not really. I mean, every turn I roll a couple of dice and I'm going to use those dice either to draft tiles from the main board or build those tiles at some point later after I previously drafted them. And, uh, and and a couple of little things as well, especially when you get the expansion. But anyway, no, we're just talking about the base game right now. Um, and it's just about perfection. You know, really solidified the idea of a tile layer where all these tiles are capable of such wildly different functions and so many different race elements trying to be the first to get all of a certain type of tile or just, you know, fill in different regions of your board. So much variety. Every time you play, you've got a different region, which is really going to push you towards different elements. And um, yeah, it's it's tiling to the max. It's just... I mean, is there anybody out there who hasn't played this game and thought, wow, this is so silky smooth. This is just, uh, you know, uh, just perfection. I can't think of a better term for it. Uh, it's insane to me that it has somehow fallen out of the top 10. And I'm absolutely positive that, um, you know, given time when this new Super Deluxe Edition comes out, it probably will work its way back in. And uh, I'll be very, very happy about that. But in the meantime, number four has to be Steffenfeld's greatest in my personal top 10 of all time, The Castles of Burgundy. Yeah, that's no no surprise there. I know how much Richard loves (laughs) Steffenfeld, loves Castle Burgundy. Fun fact, um, this was on my list as well. I, I think was this it? needs yeah, it needs to be in the top ten. It, it's uh it is a masterpiece. Um it was guaranteed not on my list because I think it is perfect where it is in that twenty to eleven. Wow, <laughs> wow, twenty to eleven. No, Chris. <laughs> I think it should just it should fall just short. <laughs> Pouring a little no, salt on here. I love it. <laughs> no, I think it's great. I think I I think it is great, right? Like yeah. I, I, it's it's an awesome it's an awesome game awesome yeah. design yeah it's it, it's so good and you know I've been playing a lot of it actually lately on board game arena which you can play for mm-hmm. free folks um yeah I play a lot of it great there because place I, to play it yeah I I just I love that um it's so easy to get a game there and I 
I actually backed the super deluxe fancy version. Did you? Yeah, because I, I love the nice. game so much and I wanted to play it more on Board Game Arena because it's been a while since I played it. So I was like, I want to, you know, before I get the actual yeah. physical yeah. game, I want to make sure I still remember it. And it, it's still as good as I remember it. So, yeah. Good, good stuff. Great call. Cool. And uh, we're getting to the uh, top, of the top of the list here, uh, Chris. What top you got list. for us, my we're friend? We're at number three already. Yes, this is my personal number one. This is our number three, and I am, I am really thrilled about this pick. This is, this is, was my number one, no question. As soon as we figured out the topic of the list, I was like, boom. We got Wingspan, and then I have to figure everything else out. It's Wingspan yes. number three. Yes. Wingspan, again, it's Wingspan sitting around, I don't know, 31 or 25, something like yep. that. But I, I think Wingspan has been so instrumental to the hobby. And it's one of those games that I think hardcore gamers, quote unquote, get like fatigue over because non-hardcore gamers love it so much that they will always want to play it. Like my my girlfriend always wants to play Wingspan. Nice. And, and I'm like, oh, well, can we play anything else uh, <laughs> right now? She's like, no, Wingspan, I, I, because she loves it. But And then every time I play it, I go, well, yeah, this game, this design is so slick. It's like so, it's so accessible, but it also is perfect for a, hardcore gamer as well and and i have a review over my channel room and board of the uh, of of wingspan and, and all its content and and specifically with the thesis that it is not a gateway game i do not believe wingspan is a gateway game and i think really? it is pushed forward as a gateway game consistently and i and i think that is tough and so by it existing in the top 10 you know that there's still got a little bit of weight to it it's still something that you got to figure out but it's something that people could pick up and get. And, and so it kind of threads that line of like uh, above a gateway game mm-hmm. to, to me. And, and it, there's, there's just where Azul hits with parents, Wingspan does not hit with my parents. <laughs> right. They find yeah. it confusing, right? Yeah. Like it's, and it's some, it's, it's part of the mechanics in it. Uh, but I just think there's nothing that has been more, um, sort of welcoming to to a bunch of people or has pulled more people in or could pull more people in than wingspan uh, and Agreed. and that's why i i think it deserves its spot in the top 10 i i think it, it is one of those sort of top 10 c- contenders that i think has only been pushed down because we favor that complexity and we favor that of those who are ranking favor that complexity and they'll rank wingspan like oh we'll rank, i'll put it a seven i'll put it an eight right yeah. And and so all of those kind of push it down, whereas they're like, oh, 10 out of 10, right? But I think Wingspan is, for so, so many people, like a 10 out of 10, 10s across yeah. the board, right? Agre- and agreed. so, so yeah, the Wingspan was absolutely needed to be included. That's uh, why it is our number three. Yeah, great call. And fun fact, this one was on my list as well. It, it was uh, nice. one of the, I, it has to be, you know, for all the reasons you said, Chris, and yeah. it's a brilliant game. And I'm glad you brought up the whole gateway versus non-gateway. This is not mm-hmm. a gateway game. I agree. It's no. a gateway plus, um, yeah. you know, it's definitely not a parent's game. And, you know, I think immediately of the video of the actor, Mandy Patinkin, um, yeah. his, you know, son. <laughs> I quote that all the time. Right? His son <laughs> trying to teach the game, and they have no idea what's going on. And yeah. I, I think that that's a true experience for this. Uh, it, it's yeah. really true, yeah. uh, you know, because more people are going to 
it is pretty and it's very inviting, mm-hmm. but you have to know yeah. going in, it's like, oh, this is not a, a, a gateway game. But and, yeah, but it's brilliant. It, it really is. It, it's a fantastic. I think in, inviting yeah. is a great term to describe it. It's it's yeah. a very inviting game, but it's got it's got weight to it. Yeah, and that definitely. needs to be recognized. Right? Yeah, yeah. And speaking of, we were going to my, our number two. This is my choice. Number this two. Is, yeah, you know, we just talked about wingspan being inviting. It's a game mm-hmm. by Stonemaier um, uh, Games, and I've got another Stonemaier game for you, Chris, and friends watching. Viticulture Essential Edition. Um, nice. I, Great choice. Yeah, th- this game, again, this is not a gateway game. Uh, this is me playing it solo. Um, it does have a solo uh, version. It's a brilliant worker placement game, and I think it needs to be recognized as one of the top games on BGG. It is so smooth playing. Um, this one was... A years ago, when I first got on the hobby, you know, I had been introduced to work placement through, like a lot of people, through Stone Age, and I love Stone Age. But this was my next step, and I was like so blown away by like, oh wow, there's way more strategy than I thought, and it was just so so smooth and smart, right. and just everything about it was perfect, in my opinion. And um, I just love the theme. I, I'm a, you know, I do enjoy the occasional glass of wine, and I would love to own a winery. And you know, everything makes sense. You're sending workers out each season to do all the, to tend the things, and I think this is such a perfect match of theme and mechanism. You literally have little workers. They go out to the field. They harvest the grapes. They bring them in. You you can picture them stomping around like I love Lucy. Hey, I'm making you know wine, and then from there you bottle the wine and you sell it to your customers. It's so brilliant. And, you know, from a gamer's standpoint, what I love is that little grande worker. I thought that was such a cool design where, you know, workers, they block off spaces. Um, but your grande worker, you got to save it because that grande worker, even yeah. if someone's blocking your space, you can go there anyways. I think it's so cool the way they did that. Um, for I think the reason why I put Essential Edition here is because I think this is the one that should be in the top 10. Now, as far as hardcore gamers add the Tuscany expansion. It really opens the game up and it really does add a lot of crunch to it. But as far as our top 10 uh, games that BGG got wrong, I think this needs to be in the top 10 list. It's so brilliant. And that's why it's our combined number two Viticulture Essential Edition. Yeah, great choice. I've only played it once with Tuscany and my friend owns it. And so I haven't purchased it yet, but it's one of those that like, I feel like I want to have even have duplicates yeah. because like I would want to play it in other yeah. instances as well, you know? Yeah. yeah well, Chris, are you so, much of a so solo fun. gamer? I don't, I, I don't know if we've talked about this before. Do you play solo games? No, I'm not really a solo gamer. I, okay. I find I, I enjoy solo gaming, but I'd never do it. Yeah. So I've done it like a few times. I'm like, yeah, this is fun, but I would much rather have somebody else there because because I like yeah. talking. I, even in co-ops, like I like to talk out everything. Yeah. You know, I'm one of those who's like, let's talk out every aspect <laughs> of our moves before we do it. Right. And like bounce back and forth. And so <laughs> I, I miss that that sort of interaction yeah. when, without yeah. uh, well, if, I, if I'm if I want to play something solo, I'll go on board game arena. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah, I get that. Uh, yeah. Just as a solo game, I, uh, this is an important game to note because this introduced the Automa system, right? Oh, so it's, cool. Yeah, it was the first one. Uh, from what I understand, it was the first one to have just a deck of cards. You flip over a deck of cards, and that's going to tell you what the, the solo bot is doing. And I, yeah. you know, th- they've you know used that system throughout all Stonemaier games, so you could play solo. And I, I love that you know it had that um, option um, uh, for a solo gamer. So, anyways. That's it for Viticulture Essential Edition. We're up to our number one. And let's see what Richard's got in store for us. All right, all right, all right. Um, 
here we are, folks. The number one most egregiously overlooked game in all of board gaming because it should be arguably in the top 10, maybe even the top one spot of Board Game Geek. It's not my favorite game of all time. It is in my personal top 10, though. And I know I'm not alone in here. Actually, before I started filming this, I went... I uh, Dice Tower did the same topic, I think, a couple of years ago, or maybe a year ago or something like that. And um, I think two of the three people in that one, including Tom, agreed with me that it's ridiculous that Dominion is not in the Board Game Geek top 10. And uh, you know, ridiculously, it's not even the top 100. Dominion Intrigue, as of right now, is number 99 on the list and going to get pushed out any day, probably. And that's absurd. It's absurd that Dominion Intrigue is higher than Dominion in and of itself, but we'll put that aside. Uh, this game is so absolutely important. Um, you know, this is up there with Magic the Gathering in terms of influence. I mean, one of the most top five most influential games of all time, period. And um, I'm not just giving it a pass because of that. Because in spite of that, I mean, there's a reason it's so influential. It's so good. And ever since it came out over a decade ago now, it's continued to reinvent itself with tons of cool, new, interesting... Um, uh, expansions that are th constantly throwing in uh, and uh, making us rethink what we consider a deck builder to be. Because this is the game that invented an entire genre, one of the most um, you know dominant genres in the entire industry, deck building. Donald X. Vaccarino came up with it. Oh, and by the way, Ruel, thank you. Um, my video of Dominion is practically useless, so I figured I would do a live playthrough that you did with a couple of guys on your channel over there. It's a fun video, folks. Go ahead and watch it. Uh, by the way, it has a really great, some good uh, digital implementations as well that make it very playable. But for me, it's all about holding those cards in hand and just playing. You know, the perfect ABC loop. Um, you know, which is basically how they sum up the rules. Um, and it's I I. What more needs to be said? It's so influential. It's so perfect. It has so much variety now. Uh, there's so many different ways you can play it. And even though I, I'm kind of thinking that maybe the expansions are getting a little top-heavy, it's, it's, there's been so much that has come over the years, uh, I'm still impressed. And yeah, I, I, it just has to be here. How could it not be in the top 100, let alone the top 10? S uh, let me know down in the comments if you agree or disagree, folks. But... I'm pretty confident um, that me putting it here probably forced Ruel or Chris, or maybe both of them, to keep it off of their personal shortlist. Uh, let me know. Again, I can't wait to see what you guys have come up with, but I'm exhausted now. So let's just end it there. Number one game that should be in the top 10 of Board Game Geek Dominion. <laughs> nice, Chris. I just talked about how much I oh. love um, uh, Baseball Highlights 2045. I also love Trains, man. The Trains is a great one. <laughs> how did this get here? Wow. Because I heard that Dominion got destroyed by one game that's that's weird so maybe i think he might have i think he might have been talking about trains i don't know um i'm not sure yeah. i think it might have been trains that he was talking about yeah. this year. <laughs> i love it you know i actually considered putting dominion on my list as well it, it's way too low for the amount of um influence it has on an entire genre of games. Um, so yeah. I'm glad that Richard did put it uh, put it there. Um, I, I again, I, I think yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I think yeah. In terms of influential games, I think Dominion would would be up up there for me yeah. as well. Right. It it really pioneered so much. Mm -hmm. uh, it in terms of uh, 
I don't know, baseball highlights is your favorite deck builder, right? In terms yeah. of in terms of the evolution of deck builders. Yeah. I mean, it's still pushing trucking along, but uh yeah. there are other there are other great uh great deck builders <laughs> out there yes. as well that yeah. have taken the taken the inspiration. No, I, I no. absolutely rep see see the argument for Dominion for sure. Totally. Right. It's cool. it's solid. And the and the digital implementation is really good. And it honestly, is. I think that's what made me stop playing it in real life because i was like you know what i've played it so much digitally yeah. that i i just love the 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 setup is done for me yeah just randomizes it do it again like playing that over and over i i spent yep. you know a good couple months just playing that yeah it's definitely. it's really solid it, it really is cool awesome yeah. so there you go folks those are our top 15 games that bgg got wrong be sure to comment below and let us know what you think were the games that bg got wrong uh chris anything mm. else before we get going no, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, that was a fun list. It was really interesting to see and and talk about. There, there's so many great games, right? There, there's so many cases that can be made for a lot of these games yeah. uh, to be in the top ten. Only ten can remain, and yeah. uh, I think I think we came up with a pretty good list. I think so, so yeah. too. Very very yeah. good good stuff. So there you go, folks. And uh, thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time. Take care and bye bye.